Starting with verse number one. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat there and he taught as the people stood there on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered them across the field. Some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds, they fell on shallow soil with underlining rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted away under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, the other seeds fell on fertile soil. They produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had planted. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. Nudge your neighbor and say, my friend, anyone that got ears, let them hear. The word of the Lord in the church said, amen. I want to preach for just a few moments from the topic, pass interference, pass interference. Father, I pray that you would speak through this word on this sports Sunday. As many people are preparing for Super Bowl parties, we thank you that the party has already started in the house of God. We celebrate now what you've already done. And if you've done it before, you can do it again. And so with that mindset, dear God, we lean in to receive this word. Speak with accuracy, precision, and lead us to a depth of relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the game of football, one of the most important positions on the team is that of the quarterback. The effectiveness of a quarterback is not always measured by his arm strength, his foot speed, or his agility. In fact, The elite quarterbacks have both athleticism, but they are also strategic thinkers because a lot of this role is thinking. You have to know every play in the book for your team. And not only do you have to know the plays, you have to have the competency to execute the plays under pressure in game time situations. There are complex playbooks that every quarterback has to learn in the NFL. But all plays kind of come down to two types of plays. You have running plays and you have passing plays. With running plays, the quarterback hikes the ball and hands it off to a running back or halfback or fullback, and they run to gain yardage. But with passing plays, the quarterback hikes the ball, he steps back into the pocket, he scans the field to find an open and available receiver And his goal is to throw that ball so that the receiver can catch it and hopefully score a touchdown. Now the role of the receiver is to run the route according to the play and to beat his man to a spot in order to grab the ball, gain some yardage, and hopefully score a touchdown. However, the only thing standing between the wide receiver and the end zone is the cornerback. And the goal of the cornerback is to hinder the wide receiver from, A, catching the ball. And if he catches the ball, the goal of the cornerback is to make sure that he does not score. You see, as the offense is setting up and as the quarterback is trying to do his thing, there is a defense on the other side of the ball. 
The role of that defense is to do everything within their power to hinder the offense from scoring. And you know I have to translate this, first natural, then spiritual. In this thing called Christianity, there's a very important role within the church. That position is pastor. See, the pastor is kind of like the quarterback of the congregation. I've got to spend time in the playbook, the Bible, to get an understanding of God's desires and intent for his people. And on top of that, I can't just read the playbook. I've got to spend time with the coach. The coach is God himself. And after I've spent time with the coach, I've got to come out on the field and I've got to deliver some passes. So every time I step out into the pulpit, it's my responsibility to deliver the word of God. And guess whose responsibility it is to receive it? Y'all. So as I'm preaching, I'm delivering the word. Some people are catching it. Some people are dropping it. I got to get all the way to the back. Can't forget the people on the side. And my hope is that as I'm preaching and delivering the message that somebody's catching the word. But, but we learn that where there's offense, there's always defense. And so while I'm trying to complete the pass, there's an adversary. There is, uh, he, he, he's roaming like a roaring cornerback, like a roaring safety, like a, like a linebacker. And his goal is to halt the progress of the people of God. So he does everything that he can do to try to keep you from catching the pass. He'll use distraction. He'll use what happened yesterday. He'll use the cares of life. He'll use all these different methods. And his goal is to keep you from gaining ground. And in today's passage, we see Jesus teaching the people about this nature of spiritual warfare. He's teaching the people about pass interception. You know, pass interception, pass interference. You know, there are certain things in the NFL that the defense and the offense cannot do while there's a pursuit of that ball. But we have an adversary, the devil. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can destroy. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. One thing you need to know about the devil is that he does not play by the rules. He will use every trick in the book. He will cheat you. He will do everything in his power to hinder you from catching the ball. Watch this because he understands that if you ever receive it, if you ever latch on to it, if you ever hold on to that ball and go towards God, God's plan for your life, then you become a threat to him and the kingdom that he's trying to establish. So what I want to do today is I want to walk through this parable. Now, at the beginning of Matthew 13, we see Jesus setting the stage. The scripture indicates that he was pushed out on the boat. The crowds were seeking him. They found him. And he set up a makeshift pulpit from the boat and began to talk to the people. And the scripture indicates that he uses a story, a farming story, to communicate a spiritual truth. Now, in the New Testament, this is what we call a parable. A parable is a short story that usually uses some type of analogy to prove a point. Some people might walk into the sanctuary and say, why in the world would a church have football stuff all throughout the sanctuary? Why in the world? They so secular. They ain't saved. No Holy Ghost. Not realizing that God 
through his son Jesus, teaches in stories, teaches in illustrations. So they didn't have American football back then, but they had farming. And so because Jesus understood his audience, he began to use farming as a way to reveal truth. Now, here's the thing about parables. Parables were so simple that they could fly over your head. And when people were listening, there were two types of people. There were the people who really wanted to hear the truth. And then there were the people who were trying to trip up Jesus. This is how supernaturally powerful parables are. For those who really want the truth, the simplicity of the parable unlocks all types of revelation for them. But for those who really aren't there for the right reasons, they trip over the simplicity because God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. They walk around scratching their head, never really getting understanding because they had no intention of really growing. But for those who really want to grow, God can use a simple story and blow your mind. Sometimes people sit in the pews and they're just waiting for some level of revelation that requires a Ph.D., but the gospel is simple. The gospel is simple in its uh, execution and its application. And sometimes people fold their arms and they say, I'm not being fed because I wish that the pastor would go deeper and deeper. But one thing I've learned about knowledge is that you cannot progress to the next level of knowledge until you've mastered the knowledge that you have already received. And the problem is you can collect knowledge, you can collect scriptures, you can collect theological points and never actually practice it. And so when Jesus would speak, he wasn't speaking to impress the Pharisees who had all the degrees and all the education that you would ever want for a religious professional. But Jesus would speak in such a way that the common person could receive it. And so he begins to talk in this somewhat cryptic parable. And he shares this story that we read to begin our message. And then he closes that moment and moves on. Now, while he's moving on, the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, why do you talk in parables? That's a whole nother message in and of itself. But Jesus chose to reveal and explain this parable to his disciples. Do you want to hear the explanation of the parable? This is what I love about the gospel. It's so plain. He put it in the text. Literally, if you jump to verse 18, this is what Jesus said for all of my deep spiritual spooky folks. This is what he said. Now listen to the explanation of the parable. He's going to give it to him. The, the, the parable of the farmer planting seeds. This is what he says. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one, Satan, comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So off the bat, we see our first category of people. According to the scripture, statistically speaking, there are people in this room who won't even catch the ball. The scripture indicates that the message goes forth and it ends up on the side of the road. And the evil one comes and snatches up the seed before it could ever really take root. And there is a category of people who are sleepwalking in the church. You come out of routine. You come out of obligation. You come because it's the thing that you should do. But when you enter in here, you're on autopilot. Even now, it's hard for you to focus because you have conditioned yourself to zone out during the word. Your body is here, but your mind is somewhere else. It goes through one ear and out the other. And we wonder why we have no victory in our personal lives. It's because we have to posture ourselves to receive the word. And on top of that, as the word is going forth, the enemy is right around the corner 
to steal what God has planted. So there are people who don't even catch the word. Like I tossed out that football. Some people, they, would, they didn't even catch it. Ball was over there. They were over there. And before they can find the ball, the enemy has already picked it up and headed in the opposite direction. You need to make sure that when you're here, you are engaged. You need to make sure that you are protecting the seed from the evil one who's trying to snatch it as quickly as it gets into your hands. Now, let's talk about the next person. Verse 20 says that the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it in joy. So, so far, we're, we're doing pretty good. They hear the word. Oh, they shouting. Hear the word. Oh, they smiling. Hear the word. And they say their favorite catchphrase. Like that. You're talking right, sir. Preach, pastor. I got it. Right? You, you know, they, they rejoice because they, they get it in the moment. And they really do get it. They really are excited. But, but look at verse 21. Verse 21 says, but since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They go from hallelujah to how did this happen? So quickly, it's like they go, it's like they, they go from the highest high to the lowest low, and all it takes is just a few moments or, or, or the slightest of situations, and, and all of a sudden they've lost all the ground that they've gained. See, the scripture says that they fall away as soon as they have problems. That's what it says in verse 21, because they don't have deep roots. They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So when you receive the word, two things, according to the scripture, are going to happen. One, you're going to have problems. Nudge your neighbor say, neighbor, Effie, we all got pain. We all got issues. We all got problems. And if you want to pretend like you ain't got them, Scripture says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Everybody has problems. We're dealing with problems just because it's life. The rains fall on the just and the unjust. And then we're dealing with persecution, which suggests that there are certain things that are happening in your life the moment you receive the word. And I've never seen a Super Bowl where they snap the ball and everybody on the defense just folds their arms and just watches them go into the end zone. Because you have an opponent and the goal of the opponent is to tackle you. Kyle, they don't let you play running back if you don't like to get hit. You can't be a wide receiver if, if, if you hesitate when they come to tackle you because that's part of the game. And I'm here to tell you, saints, that getting tackled is part of the game. <laughs> Encountering problems is part of this thing called Christianity. Persecution. Having some people that don't agree with you. Having some trials and tribulations that show up simply because you're doing what God told you to do. This is all part of playing the game. There's no crying in football. But there is crying in Christianity. 
But the tears that we cry, we can't keep crying them because we have a God that will wipe our tears. And somewhere along the way, when we know this God, when we have a relationship with this God, he turns our mourning into dancing. The scripture says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in this thing called Christianity, as you pursue your goal, there are going to be moments where you get hit. There are going to get moments where you seemingly lose ground. But I thank God for the fact that there's always another play. There's always another down. We have to learn how to take a licking and keep on ticking. We have to learn how to not just receive a hit, but how to run through somebody. There's certain running backs, they will run right through you. They will give you a stiff arm and put you on the ground versus the other way around. And you've got to get that type of mentality. I'm tired of the enemy hitting me, so I'm going to hit him. Oh, you don't see it yet. We're singing about victory. I'm trying to get you to walk in victory. Walking in victory means that you have a spiritual chip on your shoulder, not the type of chip that keeps you in a place of fussing at your friends and at your family, but the type of chip that says, I refuse to let the devil get any glory in my life. If you're going to wake up mad, don't wake up mad at the cat. Don't wake up mad kicking the dog and kicking your spouse. Wake up mad at the devil. Focus your anger on a worthy opponent. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, wickedness, rulers in high places, offensive coordinators in the sky that have been set to try to push back the body of Christ. But the scripture indicates that we can put on our equipment. We can put on our helmet. We can put on our shoulder pads. We can put on our knee pads. Put on your equipment. Get on that field and run through somebody. And if you're going to fall, at least fall forward. Some people give up because they get tackled. They fall away as soon as they have problems. Or they're persecuted for believing God's word. This person catches the ball, but then they won't want They don't, I don't. I don't want to run no more. Every time I take two steps forward. Life puts me five steps back. But this is part of the game. And, and so this category of people, they're earnest. They, they receive it with joy, but, but problems pop up. But they've got to learn how to hold on to the ball. Well, they teach you, Reg, I didn't really play football, but I heard. When you catch the ball, you got to protect it. You got to hold it tight to keep from fumbling it. Which brings us to this last category I want you to see. Scripture indicates in verse 22 that the seed also fell among the thorns. And this represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life. And the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. So they catch the ball, but they're distracted. They, they catch the ball, but, but they're so busy looking in the monitors trying to see what they look like as they're running. They get overly confident. They start showbutting, showboating, running into the end zone. They're not tucking the ball in anymore. They get distracted or or 
They're so worried about the person that's chasing them that they get nervous and they don't run their hardest. They, they lose focus. The scripture indicates that they get worried. The worries of life, it's thorny ground, all the issues and all the problems of life, they, they choke out the seed, the message, the word. There's not enough room for the word and your worries. At some point, one has to give way for the other. The scripture says that they hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth. On one hand, you have people, they're just so worried about everything. But on the other hand, you have people that live in such a level of arrogance. They're so busy trying to be somebody, so busy trying to chase fame rather than just being faithful. So busy trying to make the big play that they fail to do the little things necessary to continually gain ground. In this thing called Christianity, you've got to stay focused. You can't let the worries of life get you down. Because I told you earlier that there are going to be problems, there are going to be difficulties. On the other hand, you can't get so caught up in trying to be successful, trying to make a name for yourself, that you lose sight of your role, which is to receive the word, to hold on to it, and to bear fruit. This category, they catch it, but they get distracted. And because they got so much thorns in their life, the fruit is never getting through the thorns until they clear some stuff out. But I'm thankful for this last category. The scripture says in verse 23 that the seed fell on good soil. This represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And they produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they've been planted. First category, they don't even catch the ball. In the building, but they didn't show up to play. Second category, they catch the ball. But because the problems and the persecutions of life hit them, they don't want to get tackled anymore. Third category, they catch the ball, but they got too much stuff going on. They're too distracted. The thorns of life are choking out the fruit that's supposed to be born in their life. But this fourth category, these are good receivers because they hold on to that ball. They have roots. That ball, it's a farming parable. That seed gets in good soil. That soil is fertile. And it produces fruit. Watch this. It multiplies fruit. Not just twofold. Not just threefold. But 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. In this season... God is sowing seed. You must have the resolve that in this hour, you're going to catch every seed that God tosses to you. Not only are you going to catch that seed, you're going to protect that seed. Not only are you going to protect that seed, you're going to grow roots. The thing about roots is that when they run deep, doesn't matter what's happening at the surface if those roots are deep. The deeper the roots, the stronger the tree. Hurricanes come. All types of weather events happen. But if the roots are deep, that plant will bear fruit. 
and withstand the storms of life. There's something about a football player that just won't be knocked down. Rooted in a mentality that I'm going to fight to the very end to get to my goal. Some of us are calling foul in life. Foul, pass interference. Looking at the ref, saying, why didn't you make the call? One thing I learned playing basketball is that you can be so caught up whining to the refs about the calls that weren't made. That you're not focused on playing the game. You need to know that the enemy's not going to play fair. He will do everything he can in his power to knock the ball out of your hands before you can grab it. Do everything in his power to tackle you, to hinder you, to stop you. But in this hour, I want you to focus like you've never focused before. I'm speaking to those of us who've been on autopilot, even within the church. We just come out of routine. God is saying, I need you to reposition. I need you to reposture. I need you to approach this thing differently. You want different results, but you're not willing to readjust. Take a different mentality. This is going to sound real simple, but go to bed at night. You're going to have to prepare for what God has for you. The thing I learned about quarterbacks is that elite quarterbacks, their work started way before they got on the field. They spent hours and hours during the week watching film. Watching the opponent to see what his moves were. Reading the playbook, understanding the plays and the different variations, so much so that if they get to the line and the enemy is seemingly doing something that doesn't line up with the play that they've called, he can call an audible because he spent time with the playbook he spent time with the coach. He knows the moves of the enemy. So much so that he can adjust on the fly and keep it moving forward. God wants to call an audible in your life. If you're stuck, God is calling an audible in your life. If you're stuck, God is saying today is a day that you can shift your posture. If you've been dropping footballs, God is saying, I want to give you the ability to run your route and catch it. 